uh, I think most people in evangelicalism, when they see a squirrel, thinks of Gene Clyde. It's really strange when you think about it. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us here. It is Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. This is Squirrel Chatter, a daily podcast, Monday through Friday, dedicated to the public reading of scriptures and to my thoughts on various topics of the day. And Scroll Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are going to find something that's doctrinally sound, edifying, and entertaining. Oh, Good morning. Need more coffee. All right. Our scripture reading today is going to be Jeremiah... 30 through 33, and then 1 Peter 1. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, Ligonier's biannual state of, is it biannual? What, what's every other year? Semiannual? Or would that be half a year? Would biannual be twice a year? Anyway, every other year, Ligonier puts out a survey in, uh, um, conjunction with Lifeway Research on the state of theology, where they are asking theology questions just to, to explore the beliefs of Americans in general, and specifically Americans who identify as evangelical Christians. And we'll be talking about that. And just to give you a preview of coming attractions, folks, it's not pretty. It is not pretty, and uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I have some things to say. All right, well, let's begin, as is our habit, and it's a good habit to have, with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So now, Jeremiah, chapter 30. The word which came to Jeremiah from Yahweh, saying, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Write all the words which I have spoken to you in a book. For behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will return the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah. Yahweh says, I will also cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Now these are the words which Yahweh spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus says Yahweh, We have heard a sound of trembling, of dread, and there is no peace. Ask now and see if a male can give birth. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in childbirth? And why have all faces turned pale? Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress but he will be saved from it. And it will be in that day, declares Yahweh of hosts, that I will break his yoke off your neck and will tear off your bonds, and strangers will no longer make them their slaves. 
but they shall be a slave to Yahweh their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares Yahweh, and do not be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob will return and will be quiet and at ease, and no one will make him tremble. For I am with you, declares Yahweh, to save you. For I will make a complete destruction of all the nations where I have scattered you. Only I will not make a complete destruction of you, but I will chasten you justly and will by no means leave you unpunished. For thus says Yahweh, Your injury is incurable, and your wound is desperately sick. There is no one to plead your cause, no healing for your sore, no recovery for you. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you. For I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the, the punishment of a cruel one, because your iniquities is numerous and your sins are mighty. Why do you cry out over your injury? Your pain is incurable. Because your iniquity is numerous and your sins are mighty, I have done these things to you. Therefore, all who devour you will be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, will go into captivity. And those who take you as spoil will be spoil. And all who plunder you I will give as plunder. For I will restore you to health, and I will heal you of your wounds, declares Yahweh. Because they have called you a banished one, saying, It is Zion, no one is seeking her. But, thus says Yahweh, Behold, I will return the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwelling places. And the city will be rebuilt on its ruin, and the palace will sit on its just place. From them will come forth thanksgiving, and the voice of those who celebrate. And I will multiply them, and they will not, in and they will not increase. Excuse me, I will multiply them, and they will not decrease. I will also honor them, and they will not be insignificant. Their children also will be as formerly, and their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish all their oppressors. And their mighty ones shall be one of them, and their rulers shall come forth from their midst. And I will bring him near, and he shall approach me. For who would dare to give his heart as security to approach me, declares Yahweh? You shall be my people, and I will be your God." Behold the storm of Yahweh. Wrath has gone forth, a sweeping storm. It will burst on the head of the wicked. The burning anger of Yahweh will not turn back until he has done and until he has established the intent of his heart. In the last days you will understand this. Chapter 31. At that time, declares Yahweh, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says Yahweh, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when it went to find its relief. Yahweh appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Again, I will build you, and you will be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Again, you will take up your tambourines and go forth to the dance, dances of those celebrating. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters will plant and will enjoy them. For there will be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim cry out, Arise, and let us go up to Zion, to Yahweh our God. For thus says Yahweh, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the head of the nations. Make it heard, give praise, and say, O Yahweh, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I am bringing them from the north country, and I will gather them from the remote parts of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, the woman with a child, and she who is in labor with child together. A great assembly, they will return here. With weeping they will come, and by supplication I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of water, on a straight path in which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the words of Yahweh, O nations, and declare in the coastlands far away, and say, He who dispersed Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For Yahweh has ransomed Jacob, and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. They will come and sing for joy on the height of Zion, and they will be radiant over the goodness of Yahweh, over the grain and the new wine and the oil.
and over the young of the flock and the herd, and their soul will be like a watered garden, and they will never waste away again. Then the virgin will be glad in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them and give them gladness for their sorrow. I will fill the soul of the priests with riches, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, A voice is heard in Ramah, wailing and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says Yahweh, Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares Yahweh. And they will return from the land of the enemy. And there is hope for your future, declares Yahweh. And your children will return to their own territory. I have surely heard Ephraim grieving. You have chastened, chastened me. You have chastised me, and I was chastised, like an untrained calf. Cause me to return, that I may return, for you are Yahweh my God. For after I turned away, I repented, and after I was instructed, I slapped my thigh. I was ashamed and also dishonored, because I bore the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a delightful child? Indeed, as often as I have spoken against him, I certainly shall remember him. Therefore, my inmost being yearns for him. I will surely have compassion on him, declares Yahweh. Set up road marks for yourself. Place for yourself guideposts. Set your heart to the highway, the way by which you went. Return, O virgin of Israel. Return to these your cities. How long will you go here and there, a faithless daughter? For Yahweh has created a new thing on the earth. A woman will encompass a man. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel. Once again, they will speak this word in the land of Judah and in its cities when I return their fortunes. Yahweh bless you, O abode of righteousness, O holy hill. And Judah and all its cities will inhabit it together, the farmer and they who go about with the flocks. For I satisfy the weary soul and fill up every soul who wastes away. At this I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. And it will be that as I have watched over them to uproot, to tear down, to pull down, to destroy and to bring calamity, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares Yahweh. In those days they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will cut a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I cut with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. But I was a husband to them, declares Yahweh. But this is the covenant which I will cut with the house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, No, Yahweh. For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares Yahweh. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Thus says Yahweh, Who gives the sun for light by day, and the statue, statutes for the moon, and the stars for light by night? Who stirs up the sea so that it wa its waves roar? Yahweh of hosts is his name. If these statutes are removed from before me, declares Yahweh, then the seed of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. For thus says Yahweh, If the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also reject all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, declares Yahweh. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when the city will be rebuilt for Yahweh from the tower of Hananel, to the corner gate. The measuring line will go out further, straight ahead to the hill Garib. Then it will turn and go to Goa. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy to Yahweh. 
It will not be uprooted or pulled down anymore forever. Chapter 32 The word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh in the tenth year of Zedekiah king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. Now at that time the military force of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard, which was in the house of the king of, of Judah, because Zedekiah king of Judah had shut him up, saying, Why do you prophesy, saying, Thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am about to give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. And Zedekiah king of Judah will not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans. But he will surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will speak with him face to face and see him eye to eye. And he will lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and he will be there until I visit him, declares Yahweh. If you fight against the Chaldeans, you will not succeed. And Jeremiah said, The word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalem, your uncle, is coming to you, saying, Buy for yourself my field, which is at Anathoth, for you have the legal judgment for redemption to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the guard, according to the word of Yahweh, and said to me, Buy my field, please, it is at Anathoth, which is in the land of Benjamin, for you have the legal judgment for possession, and the redemption is yours, buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of Yahweh. I bought the field which is at Anathoth from Hanamel, my uncle's son, and I weighed out the silver for him, seventeen shekels of silver. And I signed and sealed the deed and called in witnesses and weighed out the silver on the scales. Then I took the deeds of purchase, both the sealed copy containing the commandment and statutes and the open copy. And I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the sight of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the sight of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, in the sight of all the Jews who were sitting in the court of the guard. And I commanded Baruch in their sight, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, this deed of purchase and this sealed one, as well as the open deed, and put them in the earthenware jar, that they may last a long time. For thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of the purchase to Baruch the son of Neriah, then I prayed to Yahweh, saying, Ah, Lord Yahweh, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Who shows loving kindness to thousands but repays the iniquity of fathers into the bosom of their children after them? O great and mighty God, Yahweh of hosts is his name, great in counsel and abundant in deeds, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of man, giving to everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds, who has let, set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and even to this day both in Israel and among mankind. And you have made a name for yourself as at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terror and gave them this land which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not listen to your voice and did not walk in your law. They have not done anything that you commanded them to do. Therefore you have made all this harmful evil come upon them. Behold, the siege ramps have come to the city to capture it, and the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans, who fight against it, because of the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. And what you have spoken has happened, and behold, you have seen it. And you have said to me, O Lord Yahweh, buy for yourself the field with the money and call in witnesses. But the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans. Then the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am Yahweh, the God of all flesh, is anything too difficult for me. For thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am about to give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will capture it. And the Chaldeans who are fighting against this city will enter and set this city on fire and burn it with the houses where people have burned incense to Baal on their roofs and poured out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. 
Indeed, the sons of Israel and the sons of Judah have been doing only evil in my sight from their youth. For the sons of Israel have been only provoking me to anger by the work of their hands, declares Yahweh. Indeed, this city has been to me a provocation of my anger and my wrath from the day that they built it, even to this day, so that it should be removed from before my face. Because of all the evil of the sons of Israel and the sons of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they have turned their back to me and not their face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching, they would not listen and receive discipline. But they put their detestable things in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it come upon my heart that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. So now, therefore, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which you are saying, it is given to the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all the land to which I have banished them in my anger, in my wrath, and in my great indignation, and I will cause them to return to this place and make them inhabit in it safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me always, for their own good and for the good of their children after them. And I will cut an everlasting covenant with them, and I will turn... I will not turn away from them to do them good, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. And I will rejoice over them and do, good, do them good and will truly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. For thus says Yahweh, Just as I brought all this great evil on this people, so I am going to bring on them all the good that I am promising them. Thus fields will be bought in this land of which you all are saying, It is a desolation without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, and call in witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the surroundings of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, and in the cities of the Negev. For I will return their fortunes, declares Yahweh. Chapter 33 then the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah the second time, while he was still confined in the court of the guard, saying, Thus says Yahweh who made the earth, Yahweh who formed it to establish it, Yahweh is his name. Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. For thus says Yahweh the God of Israel concerning the house of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah which are torn down to make a defense against the siege ramps and against the sword, while they are coming to fight with the Chaldeans, and to fill them with the corpses of men whom I have struck down in my anger and in my wrath. And I have hidden my face from this city because of all their evil. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. I will return the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel, and will rebuild them as they were at first." And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned against me and by which they have transgressed against me. And it will be that be to me a name of joy, praise, and beauty before all the nations of the earth, which will hear of all the good that I do for them. And they will be in dread and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I make for it. Thus says Yahweh, Yet again there will be heard in this place, of which you say it is a waste without men or beast, that is, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who say, Give thanks to Yahweh of hosts, for Yahweh is good, for his loving kindness endures forever, and of those who give thanks offering into the house of Yahweh. For I will return the fortunes of the land as they were at first, says Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, There will again be in this place which is waste without man or beast, and in all its cities all the abode of shepherds who cause their flocks to lie down. 
in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, in the cities of the Negev, and in the land of Benjamin, in the surroundings of Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, the flocks will again pass under the hands of the one who numbers them, says Yahweh. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will establish the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch of David to branch forth, and he shall do justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in security. And this is the name by which she will be called, Yahweh is our righteousness. For thus says Yahweh, David shall not have a man cut off from sitting on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall not have a man cut off from before me, who is to offer burnt offering, to offer up grain offerings and smoke, and to perform sacrifices continually. Then the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says Yahweh, If you can break my covenant for the day and my covenant for the night, so that day and night will not be at their appointed time, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he will not have a son to reign on his throne, and with the Levitical priests, my ministers. As the hosts of heaven cannot be counted, and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. And the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah, saying, Have you not seen what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which Yahweh chose, he has rejected them? Thus they have spurned my people from being a nation any longer in their sight. Thus says Yahweh, If my covenant for day and night stand not, and the statutes for heaven and earth I have not established, then I would reject the seed of Jacob and David my servant, not taking from his seed rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I will return their fortunes, and will have compassion on them. Now First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as exiles, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, having been kept in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, inquiring to know what time or what kind of time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he was predicting the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been declared to you through those who proclaim the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, having girded your minds for action, being sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not being conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your conduct, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your sojourning 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your futile conduct inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He was, fore he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in abundance to the truth, purified your souls for a love of the brothers without hypocrisy, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was proclaimed to you as good news. This is the word of the Lord. Now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Well, Ligonier, uh, along with uh, Lifeway Resources, every year, every two years, um, puts out a state of theology survey. And I'm not sure how, how many years they've been doing this. I'd have to, to go back and look. But basically, there's they're, they're the... the opening page of the statement says, what do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, and the Bible? Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research partnered to find out. Every two years, we take the theological temperature of the United States to help Christians better understand today's culture and to equip the church with better insights for discipleship. Read some of our key findings from 2022 below and explore the data from yourself for yourself. The first question was, and, and these, are, these are statements, and then you are allowed to agree or disagree. And you can strongly agree or strongly disagree, and, and there's a, also a don't know in the middle, or undecided. So the, the first question is, the statement is, God learns and adapts to different circumstances. Now, that is a statement, if you are a biblical Christian, that you should strongly disagree with. God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything, and God is immutable, meaning he does not change. So, God never learns anything. God never has to adapt to different circumstances, because God is sovereign over every circumstance. And so God is not learning and growing. That is a, a heresy called open theism. But listen to this. Among U.S. adults, 51% agree that God learns and adapts to different circumstances. That is rank heresy. And it's agreed by, believed by 51% of U.S. adults. Now, that's... Excuse me, that's just adults in general. What about those who identify themselves as evangelicals? 48% agree. 48% of those who say they are evangelical agree with an outright heresy. 
Now, what do I mean when I say heresy? Heresy is different from an error. An error, we all have errors. We all get things wrong. But heresies are errors that put you outside of the Christian faith. If you err on key doctrines, you are outside the Christian faith. Not understanding that God is omniscient and immutable is one of these errors that places somebody outside of the Christian faith. Now, there could be Christians among the 48% that agree with this who are just seriously untaught. But if they have been taught anything about this and they are affirming this statement, then they are outside the Christian faith. Now, let me... This is, this is the problem. For decades... And, and it's been growing. Well, I mean, obviously, it goes back to, to Finneyism and the rise of revivalism. But in the last 50 years or so, there's been the rise of church as entertainment, which is not the mandate of the church. The mandate of the church is to make disciples and teach them to observe all that Christ commanded. The purpose of the church is to devote itself to the worship of God, the teachings of the apostles, to prayer, to evangelism. It's not an entertainment venue. Yet way too many churches have established themselves as entertainment venues where there is no deep teaching of scriptural knowledge. There is no deep teaching of theology. It is simply entertainment. Um, it's been termed, and I've used the term myself, but it's a weekly religious-themed rock concert in a lot of churches where they dim the lights and they flash lasers and you watch a band perform vaguely religious-themed music. Religious-themed music that may be a quarter-inch deep as far as theology goes. And every once in a while, they'll sing a really good, deeply theological song because it's popular. <laughs> and because people want to hear it, not because they want to teach the theology that's in it. And so this is a, this is a problem. So, so the whole... Church as entertainment, contemporary Christian music, modern worship music, all of this is packed together in a culture of church that is not the biblical church. It is an entertainment. It is an amusement. It's something to do on Sunday morning where you can go and have a good time and then feel like you checked your religion box off. So it's, the, it's a man-centered worship. It's a um, self-righteous worship. Hey, I went to church today. You didn't go to church. You went to a concert. You know, a vaguely religious-themed rock concert with a high-priced coffee shop in the lobby. And I have no problem with, you know, serving coffee at church. But I think you see my point. That we've missed the purpose of church. And I said, for the last at least five decades. And I say that being 57 years old. The, the church today is not as doctrinally sound as the church I grew up with as a small child. And I grew up in a typical Southern Baptist revivalist church that taught more theology than the average church does today. And this trend of religious entertainment instead of church has grown since that time.
And I said, it really does go back to Charles Finney. It's a, it's a, a man-centered, emotionally manipulative idea of church. It's not scriptural. Surveys like this one that Ligonier has come out with are the fruit of that. Because people are not being taught the scriptures, they're not being taught the Bible, they have aberrant ideas, if not outright heretical ideas. Um, the second question they brought up was a, was a uh, um, question on original sin. The statement is, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Now, in the general population, U.S. adults, 71% agree that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Well, the fact is, we're not. <laughs> Just read Romans 5. <laughs> yeah. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeks after God. Read uh, Ephesians 2. We are all children of wrath by nature at birth. And, and this is, you know, the both the, the imputed guilt of Adam's sin and the inherited sin nature are fairly easily demonstrable. Any parent out there, let me ask you a question. Did you have to teach your children to lie? Did you have to teach your children to be selfish? Did you have to teach your children to be disobedient? Or did they come by that naturally? because they have a sin nature. We talk about the innocence of youth, but it, it really doesn't exist, and it's not scriptural. So U.S. adults say 71% agree that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. That's every adult. What does the church say? So let's say it's 71% of U.S. adults 65% of those who identify as evangelicals say that everyone is born innocent. In that, that famous clip where R.C. Sproul says, what's wrong with you people? He's talking about, and, and, and later in that same clip, he says, this is the problem with the church today. They don't know who God is and they don't know who they are. Modern, popular evangelicalism has softened and blurred the holiness of God, while at the same time denying the sinfulness of man, so that we have a church and I, I'm using that term loosely, the, uh, those that identify as the church, those who identify as Christians, who have no concept of sin. Because these entertainment venues don't preach sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. They give a, you know, very short moralistic self-help talk in the midst of their religious-themed rock concert. And, and if I sound like I'm really down on this kind of worship, it's because I'm really down on this kind of worship. Worship is not about us. Worship is about God. We come together to praise God, and we worship God by learning about God and coming to know God, which is why the ministry of the Word is so important. Look at the things that Scripture tells us to do. Scripture says that, that you know, looking at, at Paul's instructions to Timothy, he says, don't neglect the public reading of the Scriptures. You know, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience the people that are under your ministry. That's the job of the church, to make disciples and teach them to observe all that Christ commanded. It all fits together. And this is the mandate of the church. We are not, and I say we as 
Christianity in general in the Western world is not following that mandate. The church as a whole, and I, again, I'm using church loosely. Um, I'm not, you know, a lot of churches aren't part of the church. Let's just say that. So when I'm talking about the culture of the church, not individual churches, and I'm not talking about the 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 universal church that is... This is something very important. Local churches, every local church, is going to be a mixture of believers and unbelievers. Because you're going to have people who are there because they believe, but you're going to have unbelievers who are there for social reasons or business reasons or just ignorant religious reasons that come to church because they think they're supposed to come to church, they're checking off their religious box. But the universal church, the church of Jesus Christ, the invisible church, is only comprised of believers because they are the people who have repented of their sin, placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. So the universal church, the, the, the you know, Catholic church, to use the, the correct term, the Catholic church is made up of entirely of believers, and it's every believer. And it's, you know, Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans. If that's somebody who's trusted in Christ, even if, you know, we have different, different, theologies. We have disagreements, but we're all, we have the same gospel. And so we have put our faith in Christ. But there are many religious organizations that call themselves churches that do not teach the gospel, do not believe the gospel, do not teach the Bible, do not believe the Bible. In fact, teach opposite the Bible, but they call themselves churches. And there are people there, too, and they are not part of the church. These surveys, like the one that Ligonier does, is made up of, you know, the people that identify as evangelicals. Well, that includes everybody at Joel Osteen's church. You realize that, right? Now, are there Christians at Joel Osteen's church? Maybe one or two. They didn't get there because of Joel Osteen's preaching, that's for sure. They might have come to faith in their own personal Bible reading, and, and I pray to God they would be dissatisfied by what they, they hear taught at Joel Osteen's church every day. But we also know that in the last days, which we are in, they started with the resurrection of Christ. So I'm not saying the rapture's tomorrow. But it could be. In the last days, which we are in, people were going to gather for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires who will tickle their itching ears, who will tell them what they want to hear, not what the Bible says. And they're the people who draw the big crowds because guess what? Everybody's a sinner. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin. Left to our own, we end up at these entertainment venues if we even give lip service to God at all. You know, we might just say, "Ah, oh, we're we're you know evolutionary products of evolution. We're atheists, and we'll just you know eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die." You know, kind of an Epicurean thing. So the church should attract believers. The church should make believers. The church should make disciples. We need to evangelize and we need to teach. And far too many churches don't teach. 
and this is the result. Now, thankfully, one of the results was that every Christian, uh, one of the questions or statements was, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. 68% of evangelicals agreed with that. That's a good thing. But only 36% of adults, U.S. adults in general, agreed that. But I am pleased to see that 68% of evangelicals believe that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. should be much higher than that because every Christian should be a part of a local church. Um, but the trouble is they don't know what a church is. So they go to these entertainment venues thinking it's a church. Yeah. They, they, these places that it's, you know, Sunday morning nightclub with loud music and lights and, you know, I mean, the people are even dancing. It's not worship. Now, I'm not saying you can't dance to the glory of the Lord, but it's not a part of Christian worship. So, what are we to do? How do we respond to stuff like this? And we could we could look at all the all the data, um, like uh, you know that 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 uh, this year fifty three percent of U.S. adults agree that the Bible is not literally true. Forty two percent believe that gender identity is a matter of choice. This is just U.S. adults. Listen to this one. 46% of U.S. adults agree that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. Yeah. They just outright deny what the Bible teaches. Now, here's a statistic. 56% of those who identify as evangelicals, listen to this, 56% of those who identify as evangelicals, over half, agree with the statement, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Whatever happened to thou shalt have no other gods before me? What happens to all of the prohibitions against worshiping false gods? Maybe that doesn't apply today, just like the uh, prohibitions against homosexuality don't apply today. And this is a really scary one. This is another outright heresy. 43% of U.S. evangelicals agree with the statement, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. That, again, would say that 43% of evangelicals are not Christians, <laughs> flat out. They are outside the Christian faith. 26% of evangelicals do not believe the Bible is literally true. It's a collection of myths. 38% of evangelicals agree with the statement, religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. What did Jesus say? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So we're looking at a serious, serious, serious collapse of theological and biblical knowledge and biblical fidelity among those who identify as evangelicals. It's one of the reasons why many people have said we need to abandon the word evangelical because it doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, I, I hold to the meaning of the word evangelical. I just think it's misapplied <laughs> to a lot of people who are not truly evangelicals. Here's another one. This is evangelicals, and this is a, this is a good one which is really weird considering what they said about homosexuality. Statement number 25 in the State of Theology survey says, sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. 
94% of evangelicals agree with that. So if sex outside of a traditional marriage is sin, traditional marriage being one man and one woman for life, how do they reconcile that with the teachings on homosexuality or not for today? How does that work? I'm going to look at the, see if I can look at the data on that to see what the, uh, okay, they don't have, never mind. It's not going to help me. Um, it just has the U.S. adults. I was wondering what the uh, evangelical statement was on that uh, homosexual question. That's something I'll have to look up. But anyway, that's Ligonier's State of Theology. I'll link it in the show notes. You can go and look at the data for yourself. There's a lot more data, of course, than what I was just able to, to talk about here in, in the last 20 minutes or so. But it does, it shows a disturbing trend. It also shows um, a disturbing trend over time. This, these numbers are getting worse, by and large. Some of them seem to jump around in weird ways, but others, you know, like here's the, uh, the, the, the statement, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. The findings in U.S. evangelicals, they, they jump back four surveys, so eight years. 2016, 17% of evangelicals agreed with that. 2018, 23% of evangelicals agreed with that. 2020, 15%, so it, it went back down, and then now it's 26%. So it's, it's every two years, that one kind of jumps, which is strange. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, the, the data is frightening. Um, Hey, here's good news. 91% of evangelicals believe abortion is sin. That's good. Yeah. So here's how evangelicals are defined by Lifeway. People who strongly agree with the following four statements. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. It is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin, and only those who trust in Jesus alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. So an evangelical is somebody who strongly agrees with those four statements. Now keep those four statements in mind, and then think about some of the data that we just looked at from evangelicals. Do you see any inconsistency there? Do you think there's a lack of a biblical worldview? That, that they would strongly agree with those statements, but then would not, that, that would agree that the Bible's a collection of myths? So basically saying, this collection of myths is the highest authority for what I believe. Where, what, how, I, it's, it boggles the mind. It really does. So it's, it's, we're seeing our cultural in gen, culture in general rejecting the objective truth of the Scripture, rejecting objective truth at all. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I mean, any, any, you, can, you can scientifically, by any repeatable, verifiable test, you can scientifically show that humans are male or female. And when we keep that in mind, that's scientifically verifiable, yet people reject that. So it's not just rejecting the truth of the Bible, they're rejecting truth outright. These are, these are rough times, but these are the times that God has determined that we should live in. He has prepared us, his followers, to minister to this world in this time. And so we must be faithful in that, in proclaiming the gospel, in proclaiming the gospel to the lost, and in teaching the found. 
And and that's that's our that's our mandate. And it's something that quite obviously the church as an organization has been failing on. And we see denomination after denomination slip into liberalism for the last hundred years. You know, the, the, the United Methodist Church is not a Christian church. The Episcopal Church is not a Christian church. You know, there the you know, there are Christian Lutheran organizations and there are Christian Anglican organizations and there are Christian Methodist organizations, but there are the church as a whole, the organization of the church as a whole has fallen apart. This is why in, in uh, was it two thousand nine, you know, so many Anglicans left the Episcopal Church and formed the Anglican Church in North America, which still has its issues. And 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 there needs to be there was a little bit too much compromise, I thought, in the founding of the ACNA. But still, pray for the ACNA. Pray for these, you know, Bible believing Anglicans who have looked at the Episcopal Church and said, that's not a church. They teach heresy, they teach error. We're going to teach the Bible. So pray for them. Encourage them. Encourage any biblical church that you can find. Join a biblical church if you can find one. Support your church. Support your pastor. Pray for the proclamation of the gospel. Pray for America that God would send repentance upon our land. And surveys like this, I've said recently, you know, we're less than less than a month away from the 2022 midterm election. And I do believe there's going to be a red wave that's going to sweep through. And the Republican Party is probably going to take both houses of Congress. And I think that's a good thing, as opposed to having the Democrats in power. But this election is not going to deter America's slide into depravity. That requires evangelism. That requires repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where our efforts need to be. Pray for the salvation of those in power. Pray for the election that's coming up. And one thing that I haven't mentioned because I wasn't here when it took place, pray for the people in Florida. I was watching, I think on Monday, the, the Founders Ministry, Tom Askell, put out an update as to what's been going on. And both the Founders offices and the, the uh, church building that he pastors, both buildings are damaged. Um, and they don't have reliable electricity yet. So they can't even figure out all the damage because they can't turn things on. And they've been meeting as a church in the parking lot because it's not safe in the building. So pray for them as they recover. Pray for, pray for pastors all over Florida as they are ministering to people who have lost lo loved ones, lost property. I mean, we, we can't, you know, we, 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 we decry materialism, yet we we cannot overlook the fact that the loss of material possessions, especially a home, is devastating to lives. Um, the, the, we were just reading, you know, the the in Jeremiah this morning about you know how God's judgment was going to leave Israel desolate without man or beast. And the loss of home, the loss of work, the loss of, you know, there's vast amounts of damage across Florida from this hurricane. It was a bad one. That's not their first hurricane. It won't be their last. They live in a hurricane-prone area. They know that. They, they generally build in, in ways to, uh, uh, you know, withstand that. But still, the powers of nature are much vaster than the powers of man.
We are insignificant. We cannot control nature. Only God can do that. And so we need to pray for the people who have lost homes, who've lost loved ones, who've lost livelihoods, who are struggling to recover and rebuild. They, they need our prayers, and they need our support, and they need our help. So keep them in prayer as well. Well, folks, that's Squirrel Chatter for Wednesday. I'm kind of down today, I guess, looking at the, the state of theology. So let's be about the business of God's church. Let's comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable and teach God's word faithfully and completely. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.